tapes of end-time meetings, deliverance services, or Lake Hamilton Bible Campgrounds publication, Voices from His Excellent Glory, Declaring the Kingdom, Christ, Post Office Box 21516, Hot Springs National Park, Arkansas, Zip 71903. Our website is www.lakehamiltonbiblecamp.com and lhbconline.com. There are many free audio files there. It's like going to Bible school at home. Sunday afternoon, December the 27th, 1987. Midwinter Family Camp Meeting being held at Lake Hamilton Bible Campgrounds, Hot Springs National Park, Arkansas. This afternoon service is a deliverance service with Gene and Erlaine Moody of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. All right, the rest of the afternoon belongs to Erlaine is all right. Praise the Lord. I know that when you come to deliverance, it's almost like when you walk back in here at 1.30 or 2.30, whatever it is we walk back in here, immediately you want to go to sleep. Immediately you feel such an urge to just let it go mentally. So today we want to take authority over that spirit. It is your obligation to keep yourself awake. You know, I mean, I'm probably the boring speaker you've ever heard, but... The problem is you have to stay awake if you want to learn anything from the Lord. You know the Bible is a boring book? Unless you are what? Awake, caring, and seeking. And so I'm probably going to be the boringest speaker you've ever heard, and that's going to be all right. Because we're going to pray and bind that spirit of laziness and sleepiness. Now, the Jezebel women in here will have a tendency to want to listen real hard. And the men will have a tendency to want to not listen at all. So if your husband starts to fall out of the chair, wake him up, Jezebel. (laughs) And get him going again. Uh, So let's pray. Let's don't allow Satan to overcome us in sleepiness. I know that it's here because I felt it myself. And deliverance is never boring to me. It's always exciting. And I was sitting there, standing there trying to sing and going to sleep on my feet. Well, I'm as bad off as you are, so let's pray. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we take authority over every spirit that would hinder our learning, our desire to seek and to know, and our desire for truth. And we bind it, and we ask you to send the sevenfold spirit of the Lord upon us in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to discern the truth in what we hear and to discard all the rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when Jean and I get up here, we usually have a list of scripture that you can take home with you. And so I'm not going to comment on about 30 scriptures, but I'm going to give them to you. You should always bring a pencil and a pen and a Bible with you when you come to a place like this. It's like going to the college class of zoology. (laughs) You need that pen. All right, now these are just going to be some scriptures for you to read when you get home or when we get done here. Since all of us has a Bible, I'm not going to try to comment on each one of these. Acts 17, 24 through 29. Deuteronomy 4, 15 through 19. Also in the fourth chapter, 23 through 32. 39 through 40. Habakkuk 2, 18 and 19, Psalms 115, 1 through 8, Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 9, okay, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 8, Matthew 23, 
1 through 13, and 15 through 39. Isaiah 40, 19 through 29. 2 Kings 17, 7 through 8. 33 through 41. Jeremiah 10, 1 through 8. 10 through 15. 23 through 25. Amos 5, 26. Isaiah 1, 4 through 15. Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter, the whole chapter. Isaiah 5, 11 through 16. And 20 through 24. Isaiah 5, 11 through 16. 20 through 24. Isaiah 31, 6 through 7. Exodus 20, 1 through 5. Joshua 7, 11 through 13. Acts 19, 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Isaiah 1, 16 through 19. And John, the 15th chapter. Now, the reason for all this is because I felt impressed for two years to give a lesson on Christmas. And yet, you know, you hold back because you know that it's going to be unpopular before you even open your mouth. And because I had not done my research. About ten years ago, probably eleven now, our daughter did a research for junior high. And in this lesson, she was to tell what she liked about Christmas. She never cared much for Christmas. And we didn't understand that. But when she finished the research, she told us that Christmas, please don't have a Christmas tree And please don't do the things that are not right. So we gave up a Christmas tree. And then we gave up a lot of the other things with Christmas as we began to read what she wrote and do our own research. All right, I guess this could be called idolatry. I prayed a lot before I came up here this time, and every time I'd say, Lord, show me what you approve of in Christmas and show me how you really feel about it. And as I did that, one word always came up. Can you guess what it was? Idolatry. And so I began to go through. Gene, hand me that stack of papers there. We have a computer at home with the Word of God on it. And I decided one afternoon when Gene wasn't using the computer that I would see if I couldn't do something about graven images, images, and idolatry. I finished graven images. And I have two pages of idolatry. And then Jean had to use the computer again. But you can see the thickness of that piece of paper. That God has a lot to say in the Bible. There's probably between 20 and 30 pages here. So he doesn't really have anything nice to say on any of those pages. Now, I've been told by a lot of my friends, Erling, you can, uh, there's nothing wrong with the Yule log and the Christmas tree and, and the, the bowl of spike punch and all that. There's nothing wrong with that because we've made it Christianized. So I want to ask the pastors here and the evangelists here, can you take something of Satan used in his worship and say that you've Christianized it? So I want to read you some scripture. I'm just going to read the chief idea in the scriptures as we go along. It would be a good idea for everyone to read some of the Old Testament, especially uh, Ezekiel the 8th chapter. Ezekiel has a vision of God. Now, the temple is going great at this time, as far as a lot of people would say. But this is what he saw. 
He saw the image of jealousy. What do you think that could be? It would be something used for worship instead of Jesus or God because he says he's jealous over us. The chambers of imagery. An image is something you paint up there that you can see or you imagine how it looks and you paint it up there. Mourners for Tammuz or Tammuz. All right, that's the God who sets himself up in direct opposition to God Almighty and Jesus Christ. And these were the, the who was worshiping there doing this? Seventy and ninety leaders of Israel. They were worshiping toward the sun. And you're going to find that almost everything associated with Christmas is sun worship. And this is what he says, Therefore will I deal in fury. Mine eyes shall not spare, neither shall I have pity. Though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear them. And as I read that verse, I thought, I wonder if I prayed, all those prayers I prayed while I was celebrating Christmas with such enthusiasm, if the Lord heard any of them. Second Corinthians 5.17 When I was born again, I was supposed to begin to become a new creature in Christ Jesus. If I'm a new creature, can I go back and be an old creature? Second Corinthians 6.16-17 6, what agreement can there be between the temple of God and idols? Leave idolatry and heathen worship. Touch not any unclean thing. Many of the little ornaments we put on our Christmas trees are symbols. They're on our clothes. They're in our houses. Ephesians 4:25. Reject all falsity. Last night, you know, I just was thinking... As I listen to what everyone said up to now, I think God is talking about truth, truth, truth. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9. You turn from idols to God, turn not again. John 5, 1 John 5, 21. Keep yourself from idols. You know, that was just, there were three, I think, three regulations for the Gentiles who became Christians, and one of them was keep yourself from idols. Scriptures about so-called Christian holidays. Certain holidays got into the Christian church by way of the Catholic church. To keep their country united, Roman emperors began to give Christian meaning to pagan rituals without changing their reality. Exodus 22:18, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Exodus 23:13, Make no mention of the name of other gods. Many times in the Bible we're told not even to mention their name. Leviticus 19:31, Be not defiled by familiar spirits and wizards. Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14. The abominations of these nations are wicked. Do avoid them. Joshua 23, 7. Neither make mention of the names of their gods. That's two times we've heard that. 1 Samuel 28, 7 through 28. The witch raised Samuel, and Saul fainted. Micah 5, 12 through 13. Cut off witches, soothsayers, and images. Acts 13, 6 through 11. The sorcerer was struck blind. Acts 16, 16 through 19, cast out the spirit of divination. Do you know there's a lot of people going about today? There's a group of people going about, and they come to your church. And you know, people, the people in the congregation, as well as the pastors, need to pray for discernment. But these people will come to your church, and they will take things you've already confessed to God. And instead of uh, prophesying to you from God for your help, they prophesy everything you've ever done in your whole life, and it sounds like it's real. But it's a spirit of divination, a counterfeit for the discerning of spirits and words of wisdom from God. Romans 12:2, Be not conformed to this world, 
Do you know when we quit doing very much of Christmas, it was the strangest feeling you've ever seen. If you went in someone's house and they had a Christmas tree and they knew what your decision had been, they didn't want to take you in that room. Now, I was not offended by their tree, but they were offended by my presence. So, um, I'm not supposed to be conformed to this world. Galatians 5, 19, 19 through 21. He reckoned up the works of the flesh. In other words, we have to deal with these works of the flesh. You know, I love things of beauty. I used to more than I do now. You know, the eyes, what they see. And so I would look at the Christmas tree, and this year I told Jean, I said, you know, isn't that a beautiful thing? It's beautiful. But you know, it's like that cigarette ad that invites you to smoke. Have you ever seen up there where they want to advertise for you to smoke? Have you ever seen a man with the blood drawn coming out of his lungs and he's coughing so hard he can't breathe. No, they don't show you that. They show you the pretty way to get you in there. And then they let the rest of it catch you by surprise. That's the way Satan works. He dresses it up pretty for you, and then he catches you in the end. Ephesians 6, 12 through 13, he show us what they intended that preached circumcision. In other words, this group of people was talking, let's go back and get under the law. 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. You know, when we become new creatures and we start making the changes in our life, there's one spirit in particular that loves to attack us. Fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of being cast out of the group. Fear of being looked at. Oh. When I used to walk in the back of my church, because Jean and I were well known in our little church, a big church it was, and then it became known that I had demons. They'd say, ooh, look, she's the one that had demons. Well, you know, immediately that old fear demon I used to have, he'd come right up there and get on me and I'd start to tremble. We're not supposed to have a spirit of fear. James 4, 4 through 10, God resists the proud. Now, there is something that we do, and a lot of people do at Christmas time, and they go around sort of muttering and humming around. It's a practice they used to have. And the Bible talks about it. Did you know that's in there? It's, oh, it seems to me like everything we can do is in there. Listen to this. Later on I'm going to tell you about mutterings and mummerings. In Strong's Concordance, it says it's in anger, image, imaginary, mourn, mutter, roar, and take away. Isaiah 8, 11 through 25. This was an adulterous practice that the Jews had. Talks about it in there. Isaiah 8, 19. Wizards that peep and mutter. Isaiah 10, 10 through 7. Chirping, chattering, peeping and whispering. Isaiah 10, 14. To open the mouth to peep. Isaiah 5, 59, 3. The tongue hath muttered perverse things. Now a lot of this is I'm going to go over with you today is taken from a book by a young man who has been here. It's a, a rather good book about Christmas. And I did my research. I checked every single reference he had, and I found him correct on everything. So I'm going to share this with you. One of the purposes of the Lord Jesus coming to earth was to establish his church. I forgot to tell you something. Another thing that came to me while I was seeking the Lord about Christmas is this. We say we're celebrating the birth of Christ. A birth is a what? Beginning. Did Christ begin then? I think it said in Genesis, he was there. 
And I asked the Lord, I said, well, what could we do about that? How can we change our thinking? And it came to me this. He came here and he confronted us in human form and in our likeness. And he had a body like us. He had the same bodily limitations that we have. And he confronted us. But he was not. That was not his beginning. So, you know, even that part of it is a lie. We know that he was very successful because the first church was very powerful. Our churches today sometimes are not very powerful. They don't show much of what he started out when he left here. Shortly after Jesus' death, persecutions began with believers because Satan had begun a plan. If he can't stop it, he just pollutes it. Years later, the devil began a religious system that he hoped would replace the true church. The persecutions were temporarily stopped and a deal was offered to both the Christians and the pagans. And this is the gist of what it said. Let's stop fighting each other over religious differences. Let's just Christianize the pagan gods, keep the holidays, and go for it. Both sides gave a little so that they could all live in peace. By doing this, the Christian commitment and dedication to Jesus Christ had been seriously wounded. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you approach this material with a heart and mind seeking the truth, and that you will prayerfully consider the facts presented herein. And this is what the young man asked us to do. Remember that after the big compromise, the true believers didn't accept the new system but chose to live in hiding rather than deny their Lord and Savior. Most people say that Christmas is the celebration of Jesus' birth, even though more non-Christians have Christmas than Christians. Jesus told us that those who were like him, meaning Christians, would be hated by all nations for his namesake. And there's a list of six scriptures here. Please note that Jesus said that his followers would be hated by the world also. If they hated me, they will hate you. If they hate him, why celebrate his birthday? Let's look at what it means to celebrate a birthday. The word celebrate means to perform a sacrament of solemn ceremony publicly and with appropriate activities to honor by solemn ceremonies and demonstrate satisfaction in these festivals for the divination of this person or for the honoring of this person. Can we say that, that in order to celebrate someone's birthday, we should participate in activities that reflect that person's life? The answer would be what? Yes. Could we at least say that in commemorating one's birthday, our activities should be restricted to such things that this honoree would be pleased with? A large majority of the activities employed by people involved in the supposed celebration of Jesus' birth are public, but neither appropriate nor solemn. So much of it is outright sin. How can sin exhibit satisfaction in the presence of Jesus Christ, who is opposed to sin? Is December the 25th Jesus' birthday? And what he does is he takes a lot of the arguments that we put up as being our reason for doing this, and he looks into them. There are many arguments concerning the date of Jesus' birth. I personally believe that Jesus, purpose, God purposefully did not give us that day. You know, in the Old Testament, he gives us the date, the activities, and the food for the activities they had that celebrated to him. Isn't it strange he overlooked this? This great important day. In Palestine, December the 25th comes during the coldest time of the year. 
in Palestine winters include part of the autumn and the seasons of seed time and cold, extending from the beginning of September to the beginning of March. The cold of winter is usually severe there, though the <clears throat> is not usually severe, though the north winds are very penetrating in the middle of December to the middle of February. Snow and hail during these months are common. The weather during Hebrew month, Teveth, December and January, is the coldest month with rain and hail and snow on the higher hills and occasionally in Jerusalem. It's the habit of people who have sheep to take them in in the cold weather at night. Whether the weather was like this during this time of year is important in order to answer two questions. Did, Julius, did Caesar Augustus have everyone return to his hometown for a time of census during the coldest time of the year when travel would be the most difficult? Tithing time was harvest time according to the law of Moses. Some say that tax time and harvest time throughout the Roman Empire coincided. It does seem logical that the Roman Emperor would collect tax at the time of the harvest. More importantly, with the weather being as it is during that time of the year, would the shepherds be in the field at night, as recorded in Luke 2.8? We know that they were in the field the night of Jesus' birth, but that was that night during the middle of December. The Jews built special places to house their flocks during the cold winter storms, and there are several scriptures telling us about that. It was an ancient custom among the Jews of those days to send out their sheep to the fields and deserts after Passover and bring them in at the commencement of the first rain. And this is from Adam Clark's commentary. These important facts cast shadows on the traditional selection of the time of Christ's birth. There are some who say they know Jesus wasn't born in December, but so what? They set that day aside to celebrate the birth of their Savior anyway. They also say they don't celebrate it with sinful activities, but with things that would please the Lord by an expression of their love for him. But don't get caught up in your personal feelings. Remain honest and open and objective. And look at this according to scripture. There's absolutely no scripture in the entire Bible to support celebrating Jesus' birthday at any time. However, we are told to commemorate his resurrection and his ascension. We are also told not to add anything to the scriptures nor to take anything from them. We are told that if we love him, we will keep his commandments. And are we keeping his commandments? He commanded us to make miracle workers out of others and to teach them to guard his words from loss and injury. He also commanded us to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out devils, and all for free. If the motive of celebrating Christmas stands on real love for the Master, then according to his own words, that same love would motivate you to keep his sayings. He gave us specific instructions on what to do to remember him by in Luke 29:19. Most people began preparing for Christmas months in advance with unparalleled zeal and enthusiasm. I wonder if they get half as excited when it's time to take communion, or if they even know when it takes place at their church. The point is obvious. The excitement and enthusiasm manifested during the Christmas season is not an expression of true love or gratitude directed towards Jesus Christ. If it were true love and gratitude to him, you would be just as enthusiastic about reading your word and obeying it, because obedience is better than sacrifice. Another very important point we must explore is the fact that those who celebrate Christmas John didn't set December the 25th aside as that date to celebrate Jesus' birth. This date was chosen over 1,700 years ago. 
And the sad part about this is that billions of people are following this tr tradition with very little variations. Have you ever wondered why people give presents at Christmas? What about the Christmas tree, the lights, and the decoration of houses? Is it because the wise men brought gifts to Jesus? If this is the case, you are not following their example because they gave gifts and received none. Let us continue our search for the roots of this celebration that the world calls Jesus' birthday. In Britannica, Volume 5, 1768, the edition says, December the 25th in Rome is the date of a pagan festival chosen as the birthday of the unconquerable sun, which at the winter solstice begins again to show an increase in light. At some point before A.D. 336, the church at Rome established the commemoration of the birthday of Christ and the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness on this date. The evidence was continued in, in uh, Albanac for Christmas. The same encyclopedia says on 70, page 705, the traditional customs connected with Christmas have been derived from several sources as a result of the coincidence of the fe fe feast of the Nativity of Christ and the pagan agricultural and solar observations of the winter. And this was in the worship, you know, Saturn and Thor. All right, this is the different names of the same God who started off as Tammuz, but he's in the Bible in several different places under different names, depending on what country they lived in when they worshipped him. It was a time of merrymaking and exchanging of presents. Christmas festivals were indirectly influenced by these customs. The fact that Christmas was celebrated on the birthday of the unconquerable sun gave the season a solar background. When houses were decorated with greenery and lights and presents were given to children and the poor. To these solstice observations were added the German Yule Rites. And these were Druid Rites, where uh, mistletoe is uh, sacred, the fir tree is sacred. All the greens are sacred because, see, they're green during the time when nothing else is green. And so they're a symbol that the Lord will, that the uh, sun will come back again. Yuletide brought its own traditions of feasting and customs to combine with this celebration of the New Year's rite. Special foods and good fellowship, the Yule log, Yule cakes, greenery, and fir tree. Gifts and greetings all commanded different aspects of this season. Fires and lights were symbol of the returning sun, symbols of warmth and lasting life. These symbols have always been associated with the winter festival. Evergreens as symbols of survival were long associated with Christmas festivals, probably dated during the 8th century when St. Boniface completed the Christianization of Germany and dedicated the fir tree to the Holy Child to replace the sacred oak of Odom. Now, the sacred oak of Odom is where the Druids worshipped and had their important ceremonies. Our Encyclopedia Americana, Volume 6, 1826. The reason for establishing December the 25th as Christmas is somewhat obscure, but it is usually held that the day chosen was to correspond with the pagan festivals that took place at that time of the year. Northern tribes celebrated their chief festival of Yule at the winter solstice to commemorate the rebirth of the sun as the giver of life and warmth. The Roman Saturnella, a festival dedicated to Saturn, the god of agriculture and to fertility, was to renew the power of the sun. 
also took place at that time. So you see the different countries were doing different things, but they were all doing the same thing. Worshiping the sun, trying to get it to what? Start to come back again. Christmas Albanite, 1944. Saturnella was a celebration most familiar to early Christians. December 17th through 24th and January 1 through 3. But the celebration of the tradition of celebrating December the 25th is Christ's birthday came to the Romans from Persia. The Persian god of light and sacred contacts was born out of the rock on December the 25th. Rome was famous for its flirtations with strange gods and cults, and in the 3rd century it established the festival of the Invincible Sun. The day of the Invincible Sun was established for December the 25th. It is believed that the Emperor Constantine adhered to this practice up to the time of his conversion of Christianity. It says he was probably instrumental in seeing that the major feasts of his old religion were carried over into his new faith. Have you noticed how we kind of do that with our stuff we don't want to give up and leave behind? We kind of bring it in with us, kind of doctor it up a little bit. As you have just read, we gave the celebration of Christmas from the Church of Rome. The Church of the Lord Jesus Christ has received many abominable customs from the Catholic Church. After Constantine's conversion from sun god worship to his form of Christianity, and see, that's questionable. Was he really converted? There's no way we can really know. The mixture began, though, at that time. Before that time, Christians were severely persecuted. Constantine Christianized his entire army with one motion and stopped the persecutions. Instead of doing away with the old pagan customs, the names were changed, the idols were decorated differently, and made them attractive to real Christians. The Christians did not conform to the new state religion, and they were persecuted and later were called heretics. You can see Fox's books of martyrs for some of the activities that went on against Christians. The book is so bad I can't read it. I started to read it and I really couldn't. This is a brief history of the birth of the Catholic Church. Now let's see what the Catholic Church has to say concerning the birth of Christmas. This is out of the New Catholic Encyclopedia, under the heading of Christmas. According to the hypothesis suggested by Eusener, developed by Pate, and accepted by most scholars today, the birth of Christ was assigned the date of the winter solstice, December the 25th, because on this day, as the sun begins its return from the north skies, the pagan devotees to the invincible sun celebrate his birth. That's the invisible son's birth, not Christ's birth. On December the 25th, 274 A.D., the Pope complained that, proclaimed that the sun god principal patron of the empire, and he dedicated a temple to him at that time. All right. The festival celebrated throughout the known world was called before the name was changed to Christmas, <clears throat> the Solstice. The name underwent several changes before finally becoming Christmas. It means a mass for Christ. Does Christ need any mass said for him? As a matter of fact, before becoming Christmas, the festival was called Christ Mass. Let's take a look at the historical Saturnella and see if there is any way the two activities are similar. The Great Festival. This is Encyclopedia Americana. 
The great festival, the Saturnella, became the most popular of Roman festivals, and its influence is still felt throughout the whole Western world. Originally, it started on December the 17th and was extended first to three and eventually seven days. The date has been connected with the winter sowing season, which in northern Italy varies from October to January. Remarkably, like the Greek Cronin, it is the gayest festival of the year. All work and business are suspended. Slaves are given temporary freedom to say and do what they like. Certain moral restrictions are eased. The streets are infected with the Mardi Gras madness. A mock king is chosen. The season greeting, Iola Saturnella, is heard everywhere. Presents were freely exchanged, particularly wax candles and little clay dolls. The cult statue of Saturn himself, traditionally bound to the feet with wooden bands, was untied and presumably came out and enjoyed the fun. The influence of the Saturnella upon Christmas and the New Year has been direct. Do you recognize any similarities? All work and business was suspended. Slaves, employees, were given temporary freedom. Moral restraints were eased. Alcohol consumption was done in, in great degree, even by children. Sexual favors were given as presents. The mock king, good old Santa, was set up. Io Cetronella is heard everywhere. Merry Christmas is heard everywhere. Evergreens were used for decorations. Symbols of rebirth, fertility, and reincarnation. The boar, the male pig, was killed and eaten. It was a symbol of the god Frey, the goddess of regeneration. Is the pig the main source of meat on Christmas tables? Yule lights also were a symbol of continuing life. Lights used to dispel the glowing darkness of winter. The Encyclopedia Americana, 1826, burning the Yule log was adapted to the English custom by ancient Scandinavian practices of kindling a huge bonfire in honor of the winter solstice. The idea was using evergreens at Christmas time also came from England, from pre-Christian Northern Europe. Celtics and tonic, Teutonic tribes honored these plants in their worship. They gave properties to these plants, in particular to the mistletoe. The evergreen holly was worshipped as a promise of the sun's return. Notice how similar Father Christmas of today is to the god Saturn of the Roman Saturnella. He is also very similar to our Santa Claus. Although he is the English equivalent of Santa Claus, Father Christmas is rather different from our jolly old elf and even further removed from the original and holy St. Nicholas. Father Christmas developed from several pagan predecessors, and if you look in the books, he is a horrible creature. The Roman Saturnella celebrated the brief return each year of the golden age when the god Saturn ruled over the whole country of Italy. Saturn was a giant who came bearing good food and wine, joy and revelry, and equality of all people. When carried into the modern religion of Europe, Saturn probably combined with the wild figure of Odom, that was the, Dru uh, the Druid's god, and his raging host of spirits who swept across the land during the winter. Thus, Father Christmas was never a Christian religious figure, but symbolized rather the arrival of secular pleasures. He was also portrayed as a giant, wearing a scarlet and green robe, lined with fur, crowned with holly, ivy, or mistletoe, carrying a yule log and a bowl of Christmas punch. It takes in about everything we do, doesn't it? 
There is nothing Christian about Christmas. Now, this is his words, not from the encyclopedia. Sure, religion has tried to make it appear Christian, but anything like Christ must line up with the word of God, and Christmas doesn't. It is full of lies and hypocrisy, from Santa to the giving of gifts and to the nativity scene. The most popular scene at Christmas, the nativity scene, says that when the wise men presented gifts to Jesus, he was still in the stable. Yet the Bible tells us he was in a house and could have been as much as two years old. Why do you think Herod had babies two years old and under kill? Most of the gifts given is only to get something in return, and the small portion that is given to the poor is not very much, and it doesn't go on all year. Do you know that it is against the law to celebrate Christmas in the United States for many years? Did you know that? The truth is that this has been hidden from all of us for many years, but our forefathers did know of its roots, and they actually refused to do the worship in it. Uh, Christmas Albanac, America, was later in recovering from the Puritan influence than England. Christmas was outlawed in New England until the middle of the 19th century. In 1856, Christmas Day was still an ordinary work day in Boston, and failure to report to work was grounds for dismissal. Classes were held in the public school as late as 1870. It was probably the influence of the immigrants from Germany and Ireland that finally convinced the Yankees that Christmas could be harmless, pleasant, and even a religious festivity. The first state to declare Christmas a legal holiday was Alabama in 1836. The last, the one that held out the longest, all you people from Oklahoma, 1890. In Christmas, written by Allen on page 108, the 17th century in England, when Puritans were in power, Christmas was illegal, markets were ordered to stay open, and even the baking of pies and plum pudding that were associated with Christmas were illegal. The church doors were locked on December the 25th, the only day of the year. In 1659, a New England law barred all Christian observances. Many Yankees did not accept popular Christmas festivities until late in the 19th century. The Puritans objected to Christmas on these grounds. It detracted from the significance of the Sabbath day. They objected to the fact that many of the customs associated with Christmas had heathen origins, and many became riotous and drunkenness. Your Book of Customs by Allen Mistletoe was especially connected with the winter solstice rites in pre-Christian times, so much so that this is the one evergreen that is never allowed in a church. Yule Long was used in Scandinavia to honor the god Thor. In the book Star of the East by Holster, on page 36, the fact remains that, in <clears throat> that the use of any form of greens in the Christmas services is entirely pre-Christian and has nothing to do with the nativity. The Druids sang chants to create a harmonious atmosphere for the celebrants. Also on page 38, bringing the Christmas tree inside the house and dressing it in lights and other glitter really stems from pre-Christian times. The tree uh, ceremony in Scandinavia is Scandinavian rather than Celtic. And uh, when our little girl was in, when our, she'd grown then, but she was in college, for one of her elective courses, she took a course called The Origins of Religions. And in this, she found that Scandinavian countries were the first to have Christmas trees, and they were not celebrations of good, 
but they were sacrificial poles on which nine of the most promising children in the town were put up there. Nine of each kind of animal was put there, and nine pieces of each kind of food was put there. Now, we live in a town that has many problems, and it has many curses on it. And you, I just say the name of our state, and you know a lot, Louisiana. But the name of our town is Baton Rouge. Do you know what Baton Rouge says? The red stick. Do you know what the red stick was? A sacrificial tree trunk put up on the bank at Baton Rouge. And you might wind up on that tree if you trespass past it. Now that's the earliest record of the use of what came to be the Christmas tree. How can a saint and a sinner get caught up celebrating the same religious holiday with the same intensity and zeal? They are bound by the same spirit. If you say that the Spirit of God motivates you to celebrate Christmas, then what motivates the man who rejects God and everything that God stands for? Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Baal? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are of the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not any unclean thing. And I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. 2 Corinthians 6, 14-18 Many people wonder today why the church does not manifest the power of the early church. One reason is that we have a mixture, and we have idol worship within the church. Too many Christians refuse to become new creatures, and hardly anyone is willing to deny themselves much of anything, and those close to them, the pleasures of things like Christmas, as they are commanded to in Luke 14, 20-35. If you don't, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We must separate from the world. We are in it, but we are not of it. Our religion must be pure and undefiled before the God and Father, Jesus Christ. This little booklet was written to expose some of Satan's traps. And if you'd like to get that book, I don't know if Gene has the address with him, but you can write us and we can share it with you. Christmas, Babylon Mystery Religion. How many of you read Babylon Mystery Religion? It's a very good book. In fact, it just snows you with all the Christian symbols that we have today, gives you their original root. I had to get rid of some things that I was wearing around my neck. Christmas means a Mass for Christ. Christ does not need a Mass. Mass is celebration of the Eucharist. In transubstantiation, the Catholic priest says that the bread and the wine do not remain bread and wine, but become the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. How can this be when he seated beside the Father in heaven? In ancient times, there was already a celebration in December for the Saturnella. The first day public ceremonies were held honoring Saturn or Baal. Did you know Saturn was Baal? You know, we had in our newspaper, you, you find information in the strangest places. A man was writing a little article he thought was really good about Valentine's Day, and he had a chart there, and he listed the gods. And he was listing Saturn, and he listed all those out there that of all countries that were on, was on his level. And so on down he went. 
And I really appreciate that information because I've been trying to sort it out for years and hadn't quite gotten it sorted out. Jesus Christ is truth. Almost everything associated with Christmas is a lie. The Mass is not for Christ. Santa Claus does not exist. The date from December the 25th for Christ's birth is most likely not true. The brotherly love at Christmas time is fake. Most can hardly wait for it to end. This is Arlene. <laughs> the tree is worshipped and decorated by many, just as the ancient pagans worshipped it. In the Bible, at least ten times, the green tree is associated with idolatry and false worship. Druids used holly and mistletoe in their ceremonies. They worshipped the oak tree. Gilded nuts and balls or ornaments symbolized the sun were placed on them. The Yule log is a dead stock of Nimrod, deified as the sun god, but cut down by his enemies. The Christmas tree is Nimrod come to life again. Nimrod was so evil that at his death the leaders cut his body into twelve pieces and sent it around the known world so that his body could not be recovered in worship. For the customs and ordinance of the people are false. They are empty and futile. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen, with the axe. They deck the idol with gold and with silver. They fasten it with nails and with a hammer that it move not. These customs show how good and evil become mixed and the worship of the true God became polluted. Missionaries in the 6th century were sent to the pagans in the Roman fort, finding June 25th very popular. They thought to Christianize that day by calling it John Baptist's birthday. Jesus' name was easily fitted into the holiday six months later. The Romans exchanged presents for the Saturnella in pagan Rome. One thing that interested me was in Revelations there. It's talking about the three men that are going to come and they're going to witness, and then they're going to be killed, and they're going to be lying in the street, and then what will people do? If God wanted us to celebrate Jesus' birthday, our baby could have given us the exact date and told us exactly what to do. We are only told to commemorate his death and resurrection with the Lord's Supper until he comes. The early Christians did this at every meeting. God gave exact instructions for the people for every feast, festival, and sacrifice that included dates and activities. In, in, Ex, in Exodus and Leviticus, he got particularly explicit. He came down hard on all occult practice. He even said to kill those who practiced them. All right, this is about the mummery that I was going to tell you about. This is a person who wears a mask or disguise. This was specifically done in England. It was a custom at Christmas time to travel from house to house, acting out short pantomimes, asking for food and gifts. Any show or ceremony regarded as pretentious or hypocritical. Now this came from America's Encyclopedia Britannica. Bands of men and women in medieval and later England and elsewhere who during the periods of public festivity at Christmas time dressed in fantastic clothes wearing masks disguised as animals serenaded the people outside their homes or joined in the reveling within. And in a more strict sense the term is applied to the actors in the old English rural plays. Mummering became a contemptuous synonym for any form of stage playing. The original, the origin of the word mummer is not satisfactorily explained, but the verb to mum means both to mutter and to be silent, and mummer apparently comes from one or both of these senses. 
My means seems to have been a survival of the Roman custom of masquerading during the annual orgies of the Saturnella, the disgusting and <clears throat> the disgusting feast that happened at Christmas time. <clears throat> In the Saturnella, there were frequent and luxurious feastings among friends. Presents were mutually sent, and changes of clothing were made. That Christ- Christians have adopted some of these customs which continue to be used in the nativity today. They exchanged dresses and clothing as the old Romans did. <clears throat> Christmas was the grand season for mummering in England. Some were disguised as bears, others as unicorns. Listen to what they dressed as. Bears, unicorns, wore doves, deer's hide and antlers and ram's horns. Mummering led to such outrages that Henry VIII, and you know what a disgusting king he was supposed to have been, Henry VIII issued a proclamation declaring it illegal and a misdemeanor to participate in these activities again. The art of teaching distrust and selfishness. And this is something that I had to experience myself. And I'm going to share with you. Someday I'm going to be brilliant for y'all. Since I am older, I have served several of my mistakes in child-rearing and training and have seen a few of the consequences of them, I'd like to submit some of my observations for your consideration. One of the best occasions to teach selfishness to children is Christmas. Along with selfishness comes a midriff of other demonic traits. Here's how it usually starts. On the child's first Christmas, he observes the season. Doesn't mean a thing to him. He gets many gifts and much frustration, but he's not interested in it all. But he senses one thing. He is important, and his enjoyment is important. Next year, we act as if he has to have everything. And he learns that he, if he acts like he loves everything, he gets even more. During the year, there are other occasions to help turn him in on himself. At Easter time, we teach him to get all the eggs he can, be the best, get the most, feel bad if someone does anything more than you do. Then there's the tooth fairy. He'll leave you money for your teeth if you're good. Then we're really confusing him when we tell him, share with others. We neglect him by allowing him to watch television programs, and to become brainwashed in greed for toys he doesn't need. We also allow him to see things he shouldn't see, once seen, difficult to remove from the mind. Do you realize how difficult it is for a two-year-old to forget a scene of violence that he's seen? Look at the demonic infilling today's children get from the programs they see. Have you watched some of those programs? That's witchcraft and Satanism right there for you to look at. In fact, one of my friends who's German says the word smurf means demon. Look at, let's see, there are numerous acts of violence on almost all children's cartoons today. Fear and hate, distorted reality. Some teach you that good is bad and bad is good. Isaiah 5.20 has something to say about that. Violence, murder, manipulation of others, greed, wanting, idol worship, witchcraft. And you say they're just cute cartoons? You need to look behind what they're really teaching your children. Long before the day of Christmas comes, we start asking, what do you want? We go to the toy store with them and we say, you like this? You want that? 
How'd you like me to get you this? What's any cost to bring you that? Each time we ask the question, what do you think we're really doing? We're opening that child up to selfishness, greed, lust. Each year this little child continues with the idea that his wants are the most important thing in the world. In his teenage years, when he's confronted with the real world, he cops out. He goes to mind-altering drugs, sex, and unreality. I want to tell you about my experience. When my daughter was about eight years old, <clears throat> she quit talking to me. For several days, she didn't come in the room where I was, and if I went where she was, she got up and went out. And after a day or so of this, I got a little upset, and I tried to talk to her, and she would just very as briefly as possible, answer my question, and leave. So I asked her brother, I said, would you talk to your sister and see what's going on? I don't understand. She's never acted like this before. So he went and he talked to her. And he came back and he told me something that broke my heart. And I have paid for this right on up until today. Marie told him, Mother lied to me. Byron, can you believe it? She lied to me. She lied about the tooth fairy. She lied about Santa Claus. She lied about the Easter Bunny. She may be lying all the time. We don't know. And when he told me that, it hit me. And I'm sure not the full extent of what I'd done, but it hit me. I had been used to break my child from trust in her parents, from faith and trust in God. You see, parents are like God to their children. They really look to you. In the meantime, I really confused her. I said, don't lie to me. You tell me the truth. If I ever catch you in a lie, there'll be one look for the lie and another one for what you did. How's that for confusing a child? So, as she grows older, I say, Marie, in the world you'll meet certain people with certain attitudes and they'll try to gain certain advantage over you, namely, not too good men. She didn't believe me. And I told her, I said, you have to watch out for certain kinds of business activities and certain ways you think. She didn't believe me. She had to go out there and find out. Then she comes to me and she says, oh, Mama, that was what you were talking about, isn't it? Now, I could have saved her the injury of finding out the hard way, couldn't I? Possibly. I always haven't been honest with her. So, for 23 years, she didn't trust me completely, not much. She had to test everything I said. So when she came to believe in the Lord, the same attitude was toward him. Does he really mean what he says? Will he really do what he says? Does he really care about me? It's been a long 13 years. It's been hard. But God has given us the victory. But you see, I think it would have been much better had we walked with the Lord the whole way and not done that damage to our daughter. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you about my school teaching observances. I know you probably don't want to hear all this, but it will help you to understand. As the holidays get closer and closer in the classroom, the children begin to express the, the tensions they feel and the confusion they're in where you may have taught them to have good self-control, good working habits, good attitudes among themselves. 
You'll find all this is breaking down. They begin to fight and argue. They daydream. They don't study. They pretend and they procrastinate. They brag about what they're going to get. And they intimidate those around them who won't get as much. And the ones who don't get as much get ashamed and sad. This goes on for at least two to four weeks. And then they go home for Christmas. They come back. As a young teacher, I didn't know what happened to my students. It was like I had 35 fifth graders I'd never seen before. Well, I didn't teach but a few years, and then I raised my family. Then I went back to teaching in a Christian school. Well, now I know I can pray. Now I know there are things that I can take to the Lord and get information on. My children acted the same in the Christian school they had in the public school. And they came back to the classroom, and so the teacher who was helping with me, we decided, well, the Bible says we can bind and loose. So we started saying, I take authority over the spirit of laziness, of fighting, of cheating, of over-competitiveness. Everything we could see, we bounded. And then we said we lose good work, being smart, being honest, being kind, being gentle. And we prayed this with the children every day. And one day my helper looked up at me and said, You know, I think if we'd bind idolatry, we'd get this thing done a lot faster. So the next day, we stand up there and we start off. We say, we take authority over the spirit of idolatry in the name of Jesus Christ, and we cancel all your work in this classroom today. That's all we had to pray. With most of the children, about a week of that, and everything was fine. So I went through one year in the Christian school. I didn't know to do that, and it lasted six weeks. All the confusion and frustration was going on. What can we do about this? Satan changed things very pretty. All our friends are doing it. What are we going to do? Well, <clears throat> I hate to say this, but fathers, you're the leader. And the responsibility is predominantly yours. And mothers, you're supposed to be playing on Papa's team. If he wants to lead and teach the children away from this idolatry, should you put up a Christmas tree and pull toward those things? Ahab and Jezebel love tradition. If you follow tradition, you don't have to think, and you don't have to take responsibility for your actions, and you're not guilty if it fails. Maybe a new tradition should be started in some of our Christian families. How about being thankful to God every day? And how about living the Christian life in such a way that it, pardon the use of the word Christmas every day, you know, the joyfulness, the gratitude to God, the enthusiasm. Can you imagine that God, can you really imagine that God would care about man? What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? Now just think about it. Why would God be interested in us? It's not anything we did, but it's his great love. If gifts are to be given... Why not give these gifts at any time during the year? The Bible talks about parents knowing how to give good gifts. I don't see anything wrong with giving gifts. But you, we might ought to ask the Lord, how, Lord, should we give these gifts? And when should we give them? When we come to the child and we say, what do you want? We are subjecting ourselves to the children. 
The Bible talks about that in a verse that talks about the children ruling over us. A parent, a mom and a dad, should be able to look at the child, each child, and decide what is good for my child at this stage. What do they need for further development? A child doesn't know what's best for him. He only knows what he wants and what his friends want. And if he gets all he wants, he usually ends up bad. A rod in correction bringeth wisdom, but a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. How many mothers in here left children to themselves and they did bring you shame? You know, it's something that's it's, it's common in America today. For children to be left to themselves, to satisfy all their wants if you can for them, and then you're brought to shame when that child turns on you. God is total reality. The Bible says that those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And that word doesn't mean not tell a lie. It means total reality. There is no fantasy. There is no play acting in God. All the miracles of the Bible happened. They are not fanciful conclusions of people's minds. Fantasy is simply a lie. Make-believe is simply a lie. God does not need a human circus or sideshows to sell and promote his kingdom. All it takes is a straightforward application of the word of God with signs, wonders, and miracles following. This will attract the young people and older people to church. Jesus said that if you don't believe me, just believe my miracles. Now, if I haven't totally turned you off, I'm going to turn you over to Jean. <laughs> oh, there is two scriptures I want to share with you. The Lord gave them to me this morning, and I think we ought to look those up. It's uh, Revelations 21.8. All right, I'm reading from the Amplified. <clears throat> but as for the cowards and the ignoble and the contemptible and the cravingly lacking in courage and the cowardly submissive, and as for the unbelieving and faithless, and as for the depraved and defiled with abominations, and as for the murderers and the lewd and the adulterers and the practices of magic arts and idolaters, those who give supreme devotion to anyone or anything other than God, and all liars, those who knowingly convey untruth by word or deed, all of those shall have their part in the lake that blazes with fire. God is serious about telling the lies and telling the truth. And he says we're not going to be there if we lie. That includes telling your child that there's a tooth fairy. Alright, Revelations 22, 14 through 15. Blessed, happy to be ended, are those who cleanse their garments. Does that say God is going to cleanse your garments? Blessed and happy to be ended are those who cleanse their garments, that they may have the authority and the right to approach the tree of life and to enter in through the gates to the city. But without are dogs and those who practice sorcery, magic arts, the impure, the lewd, the adulterers, the murderers, the adulterers, and everyone who loves and deals in falsehood. Untruth, error, deception, and cheating. You know, it's a serious matter, these holidays we celebrate, aren't they? 
Okay, let's all stand up. Now, I told Earlene to go for him, to really teach you about Christmas, and don't uh, spare anything. Uh, we finally got our research done. We're confident in what we taught you. We suggest if you don't believe us, go check it out for yourself. All of you have a public library, and we gave you the references uh, <clears throat> where we got this information. We didn't make this up. This has been a uh, been a pretty good lesson. It takes a while to go through and teach you history and uh, and everything like that. But if we don't teach you that, you think we're just making this up out of our imaginations. Okay, I want to take you through a prayer that I worked up today to try to cover this lesson, and uh, I believe it covers the, the rudiments of the lesson. <clears throat> Lord Jesus Christ. Please forgive us for misleading, deceiving our children, and teaching them to lie. Forgive us for teaching them to doubt and distrust their parents and God. Forgive us for showing them how to have bad feelings for others. Forgive us for opening our children to bragging, selfishness, evil competition, hate, envy, jealousy, confusion, shame, embarrassment, disappointment, unhappiness, and greed. As adults, forgive us for causing families to be depressed, under pressure, and go wanting the necessities of life when they don't have the money for Christmas. Forgive us for idol worship that is false and heathen in your sight. The Bible says that you are a jealous God about our worship. Forgive us for provoking you by following the most ancient false religion started by Nimrod, Semiramis, and Tammuz. Forgive us for rebelling against the whole word of God and causing us to be an abomination to you. Forgive us for following pagan rituals and blind traditions for not being able to break worldly habits 
and for pride, ego, and vanity. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Okay, I'm going to take you through uh, basic deliverance and then demons tied in with holidays and in gratitude. Okay, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come against these evil spirits that cause us to be rejected, bitter, and rebellious. Now, come out right now. Start coming out in the name of Jesus Christ. I call out spirits of rejection, fear of rejection, self-rejection, inability to give and receive love, prenatal rejection, conception and lust, rejection by the mother, rejection by the father, rejection by brothers and sisters, rejection by Christian brothers and sisters. I stir you up and I command you to come out right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Now come on out of the people. I loose the spirits of love upon the people in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, let them see how much that you love them by your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we loose the spirit of love to come against that spirit of rejection. We are not rejected. We love each other, and God loves us. Now, come out. Those spirits of rejection, the spirits of rejection, especially that came in through Christmas, I call out any and all spirits of rejection. Come out right now. The rejections that came in through Christmas because our parents rejected us, other people rejected us, we were not given presents, we were not given good enough presents, uh, we were poor, we could not afford to give other people presents. Now, call the rejection out in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, come on out right now. Loose them and set them free in Jesus' name. Come out. Rejection that came in through being poor, through being a poor, uh, of having a poor family, not being able to have the money to buy Christmas presents. Uh, rejection by the community, rejection by the schools. I command you to come out in Jesus' name. Now, come on out of the people right now. That rejection, it came in, in through Christmas, through being uh, raised in a poor family, or through not being able to give gifts or receive gifts that were nice enough. The rejection of people would give them a gift, and they would not give us a gift in return. Now, come out in Jesus' name. Come on, I want all that rejection tied in with Christmas and tied in with holidays. I command you to come out in Jesus' name. I stir you up, and I, and I drive you up. And it reminds you, demons, that you're going to be cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the worm shall never die and the fire shall never be quenched. You're going to be casting out with your master Satan. You're going to have worms on your head and maggots on your feet. You have very little time left, and I command you to start coming out in Jesus' name. I remind you that we hate all sin and iniquity. We hate everything that God hates. We hate Satan and all the demons and all the evil. Now, come out in the name of Jesus Christ. We will not tolerate you. We will not put up with you. I bind your power, and I drive you out in the name of Jesus. Now, line up and rank and file in order and come out quickly. Come out, all rejection in the name of Jesus Christ. I stir you up and I drive you. I want every bit of that rejection, every root, memory, scarness, and habit, ruler, demon, and lesser demon, every demon named and unnamed in these common demon groupings, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Now go. Go. We hate you, rejection. You've done a lot of, lot of damage to the people. We hate you. We hate all rejection, and we command you to go in Jesus' name. Now, come out of them. Come out of them right now in the name of Jesus Christ. All this rejection. We are not rejected. We're loved. Now, come out in Jesus' name. Come out. All rejection, every bit of it, all hurts and deep hurts, I command you to go in Jesus' name. 
Go in the name of Jesus Christ. Every time we were hurt or deeply hurt because of Christmas, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Now loose them and set them free in Jesus' name. Now come out, every spirit of bitterness. I call out the spirits of bitterness in the name of Jesus Christ. Loose of bitterness, ruler of bitterness. I command you to go in Jesus' name. I bind your power and I drive you out in Jesus' name. Come out. All this bitterness, I call out all resentment, hatred, and unforgiveness. Go in Jesus' name. Go, all resentment, hatred, and unforgiveness. I command you to go in Jesus' name. Your power is broken. We drive you out right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Go. Resentment, hatred, and unforgiveness. I command you to go in Jesus' name. Now loose them and set them free in Jesus' name. That's right. In the name of Jesus Christ, you must go. Come out every spirit of violence, temper, anger, retaliation. Go in the name of Jesus Christ. Go. Violence, temper, anger, retaliation. I command you to go in Jesus' name. Now loose them and set them free. Come out every spirit of um, murder, suicide, death, and abortion. I command you to go in Jesus' name. Go. All death and fear of death. Come out in Jesus' name. Come out. Death and fear of death. I command you to go in Jesus' name. I break your power and I drive you out in Jesus' name. Come out. I want the whole family of bitterness to go. The ruler of bitterness, the roots of bitterness, that bitter gall, that bitter taste in their mouth, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Now come out. Come out. I stir you up and I drive you out, demons. I use the word of God against you. We believe the whole word of God. We drive it. We, we use it as a weapon to drive you out in Jesus' name. We cast you out. We eject you. We forcefully get rid of you in Jesus' name. We want no part of you. We don't have any pet demons. Now go in Jesus' name. Go in the name of Jesus Christ. All bitterness must go in Jesus' name. Now come out, every spirit of rebellion, rebellion, roots of rebellion, ruler of rebellion, self-will, stubbornness, disobedience, anti-submissiveness, come out in Jesus' name. Come out, all rebellion, rebellion against their parents, rebellion against God, rebellion against proper authority, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Come out, rebellion against proper authority, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Now go, loose us and set us free in the name of Jesus Christ. Come out. Uh, spirits of anti-submissiveness, unwillingness of the wife to submit to the husband, unwillingness of the husband to submit to God. Go in the name of Jesus Christ. Go. Every spirit of disobedience, obedience is better than sacrifice. In a, uh, disobedience, in, unwilling to obey the whole Bible, just picking and choosing the parts of the Bible you want to obey. Come out. Come out, those spirits of disobedience, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Now loose them and set them free. Come on, I want every, every spirit of disobedience to go in Jesus' name. Come out, every spirit of stubbornness. Stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. I command you to go in Jesus' name. Come out, all that stubbornness. All that stubbornness and self-will, self-will, selfishness, self-idolatry. Go in the name of Jesus Christ. Go. Go, that idolatry of self. I'll have my Christmas no matter what anybody says. Now come out in Jesus' name. Come out. All the stubbornness and self-will, I bind your power and I drive you out in Jesus' name. Now loose them and set them free. Come on, up and out of them. Come out, every spirit of rejection, bitterness, rebellion, all roots, memories, scarness, and habits, ruler demons and lesser demons, all demons named and unnamed in these common demon groupings, I command you to go. I bind your power and I drive you out of them in Jesus' name. I demand a complete cleansing and the area of basic deliverance. Lord, send your angels down. We bind up every evil spirit. We break your power now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, send your angels to minister to us, Father. Build a ring of Holy Ghost fire around us. I, I break every evil communication between the demons outside and the demons inside. I bind up every evil spirit. 
I command the loose demons to go in Jesus' name. I go right now. Go off this property. Every loose demon, I command you to go off of this property in Jesus' name. Now come out right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Loose them and set them free in Jesus' name. Now come out every evil spirit associated with holidays, whether I call your name or not. If I get your family, I command you to go by families in Jesus' name. Now come out. I call out the spirit of idol worship. I come against that whole family of idol worship. Those things are an abomination unto God. Now come out the spirits of idol worship. I command you to go as a family. All spirits of idol worship, go in Jesus' name. Come out every spirit of idol worship, spirit of image of jealousy, chambers of imaging, mourners for Tammuz, sun worship, idolatry, heathen worship, unclean things, falsity, pagan rituals, witchcraft, familiar spirits, witches and wizards. Come out in Jesus' name. Come on up now the people right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Loose them and set them free in Jesus' name. Come out every spirit of Saturn, Janus, Druids, sacred oaks, charms, misleading children, eroticism, lust, conception and lust, St. Patrick, necromancy, abstinence of Lent, false healing powers. Come out in Jesus' name. Come out right now in the name of Jesus Christ. All these evil spirits in your families, go in Jesus' name. Come out every spirit of occult practices, Halloween, wicked spirits, queen of heaven, Baal, jack-o'-lantern, haunted houses, rebellion, unclean spirits, devil's colors, reveling, reign of evil, and Easter. Come out in Jesus' name. Come out right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Go, loose them and set them free in Jesus' name. I bind your power and I drive you out in Jesus' name. Come out, every spirit of Onans, Jonans, fairies, elves, ego, Ashtar, maypole, Ishtar, Sun God, Liber, Liber, Ostero, Tammuz, Adonis, come out in Jesus' name. Come out of them. Come out of them right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I bind your power and drive you out in Jesus' name. Just line up in rank and file in order and keep on coming out. Come out every spirit of abomination, soothsaying, demonic images, false worship, divination, worship of rabbit, occult supernatural, bragging, evil competition, demonic manipulation, hurt, doubt, traditions, wanting. Go in the name of Jesus Christ. Go every spirit of Ishtar, Ishtar, Satan worship, casting spells, fertility symbols, Osiris Eucharist, holy cross, hot cross buns, hate, selfishness, harshness, violence, depression, distrust, fear of failing, confusion. Go in the name of Jesus Christ. Go every spirit of futility, fear, mask for Christ, Diana of Euphrates, vanity, <coughs> dead stock of Nimrod, envy, fantasy, laziness, embarrassment, disappointment, Ahab, fear, pressure. Go in Jesus' name. Go every spirit of Bacchus, Nimrod, Santa Claus, sacred egg, sorcery, pride. This is the end of this message. Our website is www.lakehamiltonbiblecamp.com and lhbconline.com. There are many free audio files there. It's like going to Bible school at home. Thank you.